Hey everybody, welcome back to We Are the Batman. I'm Mike. And this is Matthew. So uh, we are popping in real quick with some news that dropped uh, this week. Uh, we recorded, obviously this this is our Batman Returns uh, breakdown uh, that we're doing as our monthly live action breakdown series. But we wanted to go ahead and tack on this news at the top because it was uh, confirmed this week the casting of Superman slash Clark Kent and Lois Lane for Superman Legacy, written and directed by James Gunn, will be played. Uh, Superman will be played by David Corson Sweat, and Lois Lane will be played by Rachel Brosnahan. Uh, didn't know this was coming, so that's awesome. Uh, what, 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 what are you thinking, Matt? Uh, I mean, I'm moderately indifferent um i don't watch the wonderful mrs mazel or magnificent mrs mazel Marvel's whatever mrs. Mazel is one of the best shows like you need you would love it you honestly it's so funny it's so I, funny i think i watched the first episode for the scene because it was the big rage yeah and um ah, sure like my thing is oh. i the, neither one of these people were on my radar for who should have been these roles okay but at the same time, like, look, guns at DC now. Yeah. I have yet to, as far as casting's concerned, been like, I don't understand why he did that. Like everything he's put from the main characters in Guardians of the Galaxy all the way through to cameos. Um, yeah. And then with the Suicide Squad, as much as I didn't particularly care for that movie, like he nailed the casting on everything. So... When it comes to that, and he's directing, this isn't like his, it's like the gun producer. Yeah, he's you're writing and directing this movie. So I am going to default to, you haven't failed me with casting yet. So this, this must be right. I'm okay. So I think you're insane because the Marvel's Mrs. Maisel is an um, incredible show, uh, particularly as somebody <laughs> who comes from a stand-up background, like the, like obviously the sh the show focuses mostly on like what it's like to be a woman in the in the fifties, you know, yes. in, in the entertainment industry in the world of comedy, which you know because there's a lot of stuff with Lenny Bruce and all that. Um, it's 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 an absolutely incredible show. She's a name I have heard floated around actually quite a bit as someone people thought would make a great Lois Lane. There's something about her, her um, just she's got she's so sassy she's got a great sass and a great wit to her in the marvel's mrs mazel and i know a lot of that comes down to writing as well but it, as well as delivery like you've got to you've got to make it believable and when i think of like classic lois lane kind of snarky take no shit just kind of kind of do her own thing um i really get a lot of that in in marvel's mrs mazel she's also very good in both manhattan and in when she was on house of cards as well she's had a, she, i mean she she's done a lot she's been around since like the early 2000s um and has, has really kind of paved her own way i i think i think her casting as lois lane is one of those that almost makes too much sense it's like yeah like you'd be kind of nuts not to not to do it the one that's that I don't really have any opinion on is David Corinsweat as as Clark. I have I, I, I he ha, I've not seen anything he's been. In. I know he was in like an episode of House of Cards, but like it was a small role. I haven't seen anything else he's done, so I really can't. I, I haven't seen Pearl yet. I've I, I've seen 
X, which is the first one. Um, I haven't seen Pearl, which I've heard is very good, and I've heard he's good in it, but I I have not seen him in anything, so I really can't comment on him one way or another. People seem to be, I mean, he's got a good look for Superman. I'll say that. He's got a good strong jaw. He's got a good build. He's in that, he's in that age range we were talking about when we were when we were pitching, you know, our ideas for it. So I I really want to see uh these screen tests because we also know that. Nicholas Holt uh, screen tested for a Superman, which is a name that had been thrown around a little bit. I like Nicholas Holt quite a bit, both in the X-Men movies and in The Great, which is the Catherine the Great uh, series on Hulu. His portrayal in that specifically makes me think he could be a good runner, a runner up for like Lex Luthor. Because yeah. we've seen that happen a few times with a lot of these movies where someone screen tests for one role and gets another. Jason Momoa famously read for... uh bvs is batman before he got aquaman um i mean look uh, at the most famous villain that we have i would dare say in the last 10 to 15 years loki yeah tom hiddleston wanted to be a thor he read for thor there's um, video footage out there i don't know if you've ever seen of him doing the thor fighting it's it's not bad um you know killian murphy killian murphy read for batman for batman begins and then ended up getting scarecrow so you know you, you never know so it, it's 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 interesting that for on the one hand you pick Rachel Brett and and James Gunn has been touted has been singing their praises hard, you know, saying that their screen test was an was an ab, absolutely mind blowing. I really hope at some point we get to see that because um, like it, it's become kind of popular in recent years to see some of these screen tests, whether it was the Guardians screen test with Batista, uh, Chris Pratt, uh, the ones for the Batman with Robert Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz. I really hope we get this. And he also like the Thor ones and the, and, and the yeah. Jason Momoa and Killian Murphy. I hope we get to see these at some point. It'll probably be after the movie comes out because spoilers, but um, it's, I'm, I'm going to have to, I guess I'm going to have to deep dive into this David Corson, Corn Sweat. I keep trying to say his name wrong. Uh, <laughs> David Corn Sweat, uh, because I, I just, I don't, I don't know him. So yeah. I feel, I feel kind of bad I feel bad that I'm not excited for the Superman casting, but I don't know who this guy is. Yeah. I think my only concern, and I don't, it, it's it's moderate because it doesn't seem to be that drastic, but like personally, the age gap between Henry Cavill and Amy Adams, I thought was too much. Like, it, I don't even know how big that age gap was. 10, 15 years? Really? Like, He's only in his like late 20s when he gets cast as Superman. Henry Cavill's not that old. Remember, he was a kid when he was in uh Monte Count of Monte Cristo, which is like 15 years ago. It's only an like, eight year, it's, it's an eight year difference. Oh, well, it doesn't look like it. Um, <laughs> I, I, and I'm not being mean, I'm not being mean. I'm not saying Amy Adams looks old, she just looks her age, okay. you know what I mean? And he looks young. So to me, when I watch Band of Steel, it's like a 25-year-old getting with a 40-year-old, which is oh. nothing wrong with that. It never, I just it's I just never, a different dynamic, in my opinion, okay. to their I never I never thought they looked that much different in age, but okay. I also have a massive crush on Amy Adams. So uh, and I totally get it. I'm I, again <laughs> not a knock on it at all. Like individually cast, I think Amy Adams and Henry Cavill are perfect. Chemistry zero. You didn't like them together. Okay. Yeah. So like we said, I'm defaulting again. Like James Gunn has not done any of that wrong. Yeah. Even when you look at some of his previous films, 
you know, super was kind of weird, but I think that was the whole point of it. But casting wise, I've never like gone. I don't understand why you cast this person. Um, And quite honestly, you know, I'll even give DC props like 70, 80% of their casting is spot on. Yeah, I don't think I don't think DC's problem has ever been casting for the most part. <laughs> every, yeah, no, ever so often. Some get, through, but for the most part, I think DC tends to pretty much knock it out of the park more often than they don't with casting. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm totally good with this. And you know, it'll be interesting to see. But that's my only thing is like I've always pictured them the same age. Yeah. But you know, it just, we'll just have to see what they look like on camera. Well, together. they're only Rachel Brosnahan and David Corin Sweat. Uh, are only uh three years apart so there you okay. go um that'll 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 keep you satiated uh so yeah um I, I, over the next over the next couple of weeks here i guess i'm gonna have to deep dive into uh i know he was on the show called the politician i know he's done a couple of movies i but from the looks i'm just i'm looking at his 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 uh credits right now and it's it's a lot of smaller roles so i'm not sure how big a sample size I'm going to be able to get, but uh, but Rachel Brosnahan at least has me excited because to me that's that's kind of that's n- duh, like of course. Well, and every time I've said it to somebody or showed it to somebody, no one's gone what. <laughs> so yeah, no, she's like, doing something right. Yeah, none of none, nobody who's who who knows her work has been like, oh, really? Everyone's just kind of like, yeah, that tracks. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, so cool. yeah, so that's you know. Sorry, we don't have more to say on it. Unfortunately, uh, it's it's just you're, David Cornsweet is is and he's not an unknown, but he's not a big star with a ton of credits under his belt. Um, so, but I look forward to uh, exploring more of his career, and maybe by the time we learn more about this movie, we'll have more to say about it. So. That's our take on the uh, uh, Superman and Lois Lane casting for Superman Legacy. With that being said, we will transition into uh, uh, our breakdown of Batman Returns. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to We Are the Batman. I'm Mike. And this is Matthew. All right, it is the final Friday of the month of June, and the last Friday of the month means we are doing a Batman breakdown. This is where we take the live-action Batman films in chronological release order and give them a deep-dive breakdown uh, as we just go through all of them. And we have, uh, we've got a little bit of serendipity going on with this one because <laughs> we, are, we are doing the final Michael Keaton Batman movie, Batman Returns, in the same month that he has returned as Batman in The Flash. Now, full disclosure, at the time that we are recording this, it is Friday, June 16th. We have not seen The Flash yet. It just came out in the last 24 hours. Um, so we're not going to have anything to say as far as like Michael Keaton's performance in this compared to like in The Flash, because we simply haven't seen it yet. You can go check out our Flash review, which should all, which already is up, uh, at the time that this is getting posted. So just this is going to be strictly focusing on Batman Returns as it is. Um, and the maybe if there's so ch- something that is so like, oh, wow, we'll add a little thing at the end. Yeah. <laughs> if, if there's something after we see the movie that we're just like, we have to put this in the Batman Returns uh, episode, we'll record it. We'll we'll slap it in there or we'll, we'll jump it in right here right at this moment uh 
Oh, nothing. No, nothing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe we would magically time travel into the future. To, to, but anyway, um, so uh, Batman Returns is the sequel to 1989's Batman, once again, directed by Tim Burton. Uh, the first movie was was such a massive success that a sequel was inevitable. Um, the movie was made for $50 million and it uh, received a box office total of $266.8 million. Which in nineteen uh, in in nineteen ninety two that's a that's a shitload of money yeah uh, for a movie most films never broke I think over two hundred million that was yeah and even that was still pretty yeah, that impressive. was considered a massive hit yeah so, a, a fifty million dollar budget for a comic book movie in nineteen ninety two is is nuts so yeah. that's that's pretty good um just a little bit of uh of of pre production on this we'll get into the rest of it later as we go through and talk about it. Um, so because Warner brothers really had a lot of faith in this Batman franchise, they, um, the original Gotham city sets were built over at Pinewood studios in the UK. You know, they filmed it in London, uh, Warner brothers purchased them off of Pinewood studios to have just, just to have them for as many Batman movies as they could, because it was cheaper to just have the sets and maintain them than try to build new sets altogether. Yeah, we'll get we'll 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 get into that when we talk about the actual movie because that actually kind of shocked me a little bit. Um, the original script for this movie was a lot darker. Um, it involved things like uh, machine gun wielding Santa Claus mowing people down. Um, Vicky Vale was going to return. It was going to focus a lot more on her and Bruce's relationship. Catwoman's original costume design was basically bondage gear, and there were scenes written of her just murdering groups of men um and they were originally going to introduce robin through the red triangle circus gang in some way that was part of your all and part of the original script he was cast and it was marlon wayans <laughs> yeah what a what a choice tell um, me you don't read comics without no, telling me <laughs> i love marlon wayans so much absolutely not um originally the original plan was to also have a third villain in the movie it was going to be penguin catwoman and riddler and robin williams was it was was considered for the role of riddler he would again be considered for the role of riddler for joel schumacher's batman forever but ultimately that role went to jim carrey um man robin williams name floats around in a lot of batman casting and i never seen because he was also when the original the original plan for the third Dark Knight movie was was to have a Hugo Strange thing. It was going to be Robin Williams. That was the original choice. But and never, my never understanding is they use Robin Williams to quote unquote trick Jack Nicholson into taking the Joker. That's hilarious. So, um, so as far as Tim Burton goes with this thing. He originally said that he would only return because they wanted to try to sign him on to return for a sequel before the first movie even came out. He said, I won't do it until I know how the first movie does. Um, he said he would only return if he could maintain full creative control. He considered his first Batman movie his least favorite of his films because he felt he didn't have enough creative control in it. Um, he replaced a lot of the original crew from the first movie with his former collaborators, including the cinematographer, production designer, makeup and art direction. And then also Burton so famously disliked working with John Peters as producer, which John Peters, if you know that name, is the guy behind a lot of the Superman lives nonsense drama. <laughs> um, the man has a, has a bone of her spiders. Um, so John Peters was demoted to executive producer. and was effectively barred from the set of the movie. 
Uh, yeah, John Peters is not a popular guy in, in, in Warner Brothers. Why not? I know. That's kind of all the big stuff I have as far as pre-production goes. Um, everything else about this was was pretty was pretty straightforward. I yeah. mean, it was the it only was, yeah. The only other thing I have is that apparently Keaton got a huge hike in pay. Oh yeah, because the first Batman was his second movie, and his first movie was Mr. Mom. No, so no, he's been he, in several movies by now. Are you sure? Yeah, because well, no, he was in Night first, Shift. The first Batman. He was in Beetlejuice. He was in... Oh, you're right. He, he, but still, but, but he nothing still, serious and nothing yeah, big. He was not a same. big star. Beetlejuice had been kind of the biggest thing. He was a comedian. He was a comedic actor. And yeah. it, they, they weren't paid much. Um, he, he got a nice big pay hike for yes. this movie. Um, but still also not the biggest star in the movie. You've got Michelle. Let's get into the casting of this movie. Well, then, yeah, let's roll we're talking about it. Um, so we, you know, we've talked ad nauseum about Michael Keaton as Batman, especially in, um, in our Batman 89 discussion. And, and I think that as good a job as I think he does in Batman 89, I think he carries that over into this. I don't have any like particular, notes about his performance whether it got better or worse in this one i think it's kind of par for the course like yeah if you're if you're into his batman from the first one you're going to be into it in this one i i say that mostly because he's barely in this movie yeah the the big thing i will give him huge props for and it comes from some background information that they discuss in interviews at the time of the movie is that him and michelle pfeiffer's chemistry is amazing you can taste it in the air. Yeah. I was watching this movie last night just to have a full refresh on it. And all I could think was, I I, I want to watch these two bone. <laughs> <laughs> well, and he they talk about, like, I guess they had dated before this. Yeah. Briefly. I don't know how long or the details. They just said sure. that it was, they were very comfortable. And it shows, like, like this, that should have been the movie. You didn't need well, Penguin, Max Shrek, blah, blah, yakety, schmackety. Yeah. This movie should have just been Catwoman and Batman. They're the best parts of the entire film. And it's because of how amazing their chemistry is. It's, you know, I I, I equate it to like um, Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone and the amazing Spider-Man who were dating at the time they were making. And yeah. so their, their chemistry as Gwen and Peter on screen was so authentic because they were actually a couple so they were able to kind of play off each other in that way and yeah i, th I think keaton and, and 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 pfeiffer's chemistry out of costume in this movie is incredible in costume as batman and catwoman and i think a lot of this has to do with the writing it's not there as much yeah. i think you lose a lot of their chemistry when they're in costume because a lot of my biggest problems with this movie are in the script, and we'll get into that a little bit later, but when they're out of costume, when it's just like their first meeting in, in Shrek's office, or when, oh my God, when they're at the party yeah. together, that, I mean, it is like, like, I'm like, make this just the, just make this the movie. Yeah. I don't need anything else in this movie. The, the, the two of them on screen acting against each other as this kind of uh, femme fatale you know, it is, is incredible. And I think a lot of that, again, like singing all the praises of Michael Keaton, but a lot of that also goes to Michelle Pfeiffer. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah. She's amazing. Like, 
and rolling into her. She's the best part of this movie. Like, <sighs> I have to confess something, and I'm uh -oh. going to make a lot of people angry with this. Do it. I think Michelle Pfeiffer is a very good Catwoman. I do not think she is the gold standard that everyone makes her out to be. <laughs> I think that her Selena Kyle is fantastic. Yes. I think her Catwoman is fine. But I think a lot of that lends itself to how it's written. I like, think, I'm not saying yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer is the problem. The way her Catwoman is written, I, I don't. Like, like it's it's just it's it's a little off for me and, and it, it just doesn't eh, it doesn't live with me well like and this is what i'll say like as much as i hate using this word to per se like her performance as catwoman is dated mm -hmm. as hell it's like, very dated it is what men wanted a catwoman to be at that yeah. time was the over sexualized over like everybody's pawing at her over the yeah. top and, and the entire movie is over the top. Tim Burton got creative control. He should never have because yeah. it's over the top with everything. But I think, yes, watching it the last time I fully, you know, I told you, I, I'm going to confess. I can only get halfway through the movie. I hate this yeah. movie, but I had to watch <laughs> it for a previous podcast a couple of years ago. And I watched it bell to bell. And it was just like, yeah, her, like you're saying, right. Her and her and out of costume, perfect. Her in costume. It's just this weird overly sexualized thing but it's also because like that character's not like that anymore there was a brief yeah. window from like the late 80s to the early 90s when she was in that purple costume that it was just the bad girl invasion of comics mm -hmm. lady death vampirilla catwoman like everything was just super sexualized so yeah. looking at it now like had i not experienced this film when it came out and already had a crush on michelle pfeiffer before this movie I'd have been like, huh, watch it. If I had watched it now, I'd have been like, like, what? This is the one everyone's this? always losing their mind about? Really? Like, what, okay. is she, what is this uh, licking her arm like she's yeah. bathing? You're just like, okay. But like, yes, it is all the most fetish, fetish, fetishized. Fetishized. Yeah. So I still will stand by. She's one of the best things in a movie. Yes. But that's not saying much considering outside of her and Keaton, everybody in this movie sucks. Yeah. It's, it, you know, there's a lot of times with her, with her as Catwoman. And again, this is more story issue, but like her character, I, I, I to, to, by the end of the movie, I didn't fully understand what her character's motivation was, but uh, you, I a thousand percent understand why they picked Michelle Pfeiffer. If you've ever seen the behind the scenes video, they got leaked a couple, not leaked, but released a couple years ago of her doing the thing where she's whipping the, uh, the heads, off, heads the off the mannequins. That's all her. She did that in one take. Yeah. And she gets done and jump ropes off and you and you hear you hear the uh, the crew just start applauding because they're like, holy shit, she did it. <laughs> yeah. No, that was released back then because I remember that because like I said, okay. here, here's here's a funny story. Here's it was born in 89, so I was three years old when <laughs> it came out. <laughs> here's a funny story for you. Um, one of the ways I think I hooked my wife was mm -hmm. we were talking one day on like live Zoom, whatever it was we were using. And she starts, we were, I was doing something. And I think I was wearing sunglasses or things. She's like, he's a cool rider and starts singing that song. And I right. start acting like I'm riding a motorcycle. And she's like, you know, that song, you know, that movie. And I was like, 
I had the biggest crush on Michelle Pfeiffer when I was a kid. Of course, I know that movie. It's Grease Two. I was a man in the nineties. Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was Grease Two. But but um, it was just so. It's just this constant joke that like four or five years ago we had like a last minute we need costumes and I bought her a pink jacket and I got a a helmet and a jacket so I was cool writer and she was anyway all nice. that to say like because of Michelle Pfeiffer that helps yeah. but but she had you were right like she's Danny DeVito is a huge star at this time she's a yeah. really big star she's had a really good run of amazing films up to this point um some of which I probably shouldn't have watched at my age but you know ah. Here's the thing. Well, since you brought up Danny DeVito, I want to talk about Danny DeVito's Penguin. I I 110% understand why they cast Danny DeVito as to play the Penguin. He is he is in his prime when this movie is coming out, and when you look at the Penguins, the Penguin on paper, Danny DeVito makes sense. He is trying his damnedest with what he was given in this movie. I think they did not know how to write the Penguin for this movie because because if you look at a lot of the pre-production notes, they changed their minds on how to write Penguin a lot. Yeah. They could not. It seems like they just simply could not come to a consensus with what to do with Penguin in this movie. You know, the the original script pushed hard for the main villain to be Two Face with Billy D. As we all know, that completely fell through. That's why Billy D's not even in this movie. Yeah. Um, so it just, so as far as the casting of Danny DeVito goes, I get it. And I think he's doing the best with what he got. Cause I really like Danny DeVito, really like Danny DeVito. Um, but his penguin is just rough and you want to talk about dated, um, the way he treats women in general in this movie <laughs> and in particular Catwoman, you could not do this today you could not do this today i don't know dude dude who doesn't walk into a room and see a girl oh just the pussy i was looking for <laughs> i wow I, when, when he said that i was like i forgot that line was in this movie because <laughs> literally the scene before that is him feeling up the intern and putting the button on her boob and groping her yes. and walking up the stairs and going and talking about like, Oh, being mayor is great. There's plenty of people to, 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 to help and to feel and to grope. And I'm like, Oh man. Ooh. Oh, 2023. Yeah. Ooh boy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and this is what I'll say. Like in, in defense of Danny DeVito. Yeah. He 100% understood the assignment and yes. did the assignment he was given. He did what he was told. <laughs> he, his his performance, as freaking stupid as the entirety of everything with Penguin is, yeah, he leans hard into it. And I can't blame him. Yeah. You know, dude, sometimes your job as an actor, in my opinion, is your job as an actor is to do what the director wants you to do. Yep. Like the director has a story. He is basing it on the script. I said basing for a reason. <laughs> and your job is to give the director what he wants to tell the story he wants to tell. And yeah. if you're a very good actor, you will do what he says. If you're Jed Nelson, you won't. But <laughs> yeah, so that's that's a that's another issue. <laughs> His quote about dealing with directors is my favorite quote of all time. Yeah. Um, but 
but I, th yeah, I think the problem to me is like, like Catwoman is kind of Tim Burton. Yeah. Everything to do with the Penguin and Max Shrek is just all the Tim Burton ridiculous. That is that is Tim Burton and like, just vomiting. And I love Tim Burton, but but yeah, that's it's just crap. All the thing, all all the things that people don't like about Tim Burton are are crystal clear on display in this movie, and you get a lot of that with Penguin and Max Shrek. Speaking of Max Shrek, you can cut him out of this movie. I, I love Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken, again, you get why they pick him to be in this, to play this character, because it's 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 right up his alley. You don't need Max Shrek. You don't need him to be as big a role as he needs to be. The whole thing with him helping Penguin become mayor doesn't make a lot of sense. You can cut all that out of the movie. Um, Christopher Walken's fine. He's Christopher Walken. He, he is Christopher Walken in every, in every movie that he makes. Christopher Walken yeah. plays the same character and he plays it very well. So I get it. It is what it is. No, my biggest problem with the character of Max Shrek is the same problem I had with the TV show agents of shield. There are literally dozens of other characters yeah. that are always in the comic that this guy could have been, mm -hmm. he could have been Carmen Falcone. He could have been, you know, any fricking of the hundreds of Batman rogues gallery characters. You could have just been, you could have just been Cobblepot. It could have been Cobblepot. It could and have this, just been yeah. Cobblepot. So that's where like that kind of stuff always gets up my nerves when you create a character, a big character in a movie. And there's so many other characters that could have been that character. Like agents of shield is one of those, like there's yeah. literally a comic called agents of shield <laughs> with 15 characters. And you used none of those, none of them. Yeah. <laughs> So, but it, yeah yeah so, so I, yeah the max Shrek thing he i love the scene between him and michael keaton in the boardroom it's great don't know why great it's there scene. but it's great uh you know the, we'll get to that in a minute one of the funniest things in the whole movie is like bruce wayne why are you dressed up like batman <laughs> i rolled my eyes i rolled my eyes so hard i rolled my eyes so hard at that line i was like okay you're not that dumb come on <laughs> Um, and then, I mean, just the last couple of casting, I mean, you know, Pat Hingle is, as, as commissioner Gordon doing what, doing what commission, we, we talked about this in the 89 commissioner Gordon in these, it's, in these four movies is a, is, a, this one. Is, is a useless character. Um, this is definitely the worst of the Pat Hingle, Chris, uh, commissioner Gordon's he's, he's, he's got like 30 seconds of screen time. Uh, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hate on it too much, but, uh, he, he, he serves the role that commissioner Gordon is there to serve in these movies. Um, and then, of course, again, you know, we have to mention the wonderful Michael Goff as Alfred, yes. um, which I actually I really like his Alfred in this movie. I, I mean, I like it in all of them, but some of the stuff he gets to do in this movie um, is just is it's it's the stuff you like to see with Alfred, like helping out with with the with with Batman, like being his guy in the chair, um, you know, when they're both trying to when when both Bruce and Selena are trying to run out on each other because of the uh, um what's going on with with the princess and all that um <laughs> yeah and uh bruce is like giving alfred like four different things he can tell selena he's like i'll take care of it it's fine it's fine go and yeah. selena comes out and she's like maybe you could say something like a like a like a dirty limerick and alfred's like one has already come to mind it's it's, it's very good <laughs> yeah. um bringing him the vichy swaz what is this it's cold it's vichy swaz yeah it's supposed to be cold which by the way 
fishy swaz, not a great soup. I don't know if you've ever had it. Um, no, it's not great. It's, it's, it's great. It's a great concept. It, it, it shouldn't be cold. I'm sorry. It's, it's weird that it's cold. It, it, it's, it's, it's potatoes and onions and leeks and then it's blended and then it's cold. Don't make that cold. Uh, gazpacho <laughs> soup. If you've ever watched Red Dwarf, that's all yeah. I think about gazpacho, in that scene. Gazpacho being cold is fine, but she's watched not be cold. I know it's supposed to be, but I don't think it should be because um, it's potatoes. Cold potatoes are weird. Anyway, um, but Alfred, you know, b- being the guy in the chair in this, I love the it's a brief scene. But uh, 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 Alfred saying something about, you know, we can't just take the Batmobile to fix it at any Joe shop. We need to really uh, talk about security and secrecy. And Bruce is like, you want to talk about security? Who let Vicky Vale into the Batcave? I mean, I'm yeah. just sitting there working and I turn <laughs> around and she's just there. Oh, hi. Hello. As he has the bat, the Batcave's entrance switch in a in a fish tank, which I actually got to say, it's not bad. <laughs> it's actually a pretty good. What's a great place to put us the 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 secret button where no one's going to touch it? Yeah, inside um, a fish tank. Inside a fish tank, and I love that he goes to get in the Iron Maiden shoot to drop down, and and Alfred's like, "I'll just take the stairs," and I'm like, "Wait, there's how many entrances do you have to the? You only need one. You want to talk about security, Bruce? You only need one entrance. Yeah, having having like five entrances to the Batcave just is more likely someone's going to find one." <laughs> but yeah. it's also it's cool and i i do i do like alfred saying like yeah i'm not getting in that no i'll just i'll walk <laughs> yeah i'll walk, I'll walk. It, it gave me okay. it, gave, it gave me space balls vibes of like do you want a beam no i'll just walk and it's in the next room yeah uh, so it was good uh so that's that's kind of where we're at with the casting on this one i mean let's 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 get into um let, let's let's get into like some of the technical stuff like the sets and 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 the cinematography and and the production design um not the best work uh yeah it's I, this felt so claustrophobic the city feels so small and so tight i think they only use like four or five sets in the entire movie um because they just keep going back to that same town square over and over and over again yes they go out of their way to not shoot the skyline for some reason so you never know what time of day it is it just it didn't feel it it didn't feel like a city it felt like a set every every set piece they're on in this movie feels like a set it doesn't feel like a city gotham in the 89 movie felt like a city yeah felt like a real honest to god gross dingy dirty city that felt huge with scope and scale that felt like there were thousands of places batman could hide in the shadows and escape this one it seems like it's got four streets <laughs> i know it like, it, it's got four roads <laughs> well and it's it's also like the the, the problem with it now there doesn't really there's kind of a car chase in this it's kind of as big as the car chase in the previous film, but it's like, it just feels, you know, look, we talked about this last time. We all know that car, that car doesn't go very fast, but that's going like 30 miles an hour tops. When you don't give it room to even do anything, it makes it even more. It look even less like it has any kind of speed. Like in, in the 89 movie, the Batmobile had room to move if it wanted to this one, it felt so tight. It's like, it's like, yeah, why would he ever take the Batmobile into Gotham City? There's no room for this car to move anywhere. Yeah, um, and it even looks like sets. 
I think, you know, it's, yeah, it looks and feels like a set. Like it, 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 it felt considering this movie had a big budget. It felt cheap. Yeah. Which like it, works for something like Beetlejuice because of what it is. It mainly takes place in a house, but when yeah. you're dealing with Gotham, it, I'm, I am not surprised. Cause I did not know that he had decided to bring in his whole crew for this movie. I'm yeah. not surprised at this new cinematographer. Cause that's cinematography. It's terrible. Like that a cinematographer can hide it obviously because he, they hit it in the first one. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it just so it, it felt like they cut corners because they filmed on the same set as the first movie. That was the whole reason they bought the set was to use it, but they only filmed on like a third of it. It seemed like they didn't use the whole set and it, it, it just felt like they cut corners. Yeah. It felt like they rushed and cut corners and, and just we're it, it, there's just a lot of laziness in this movie, the way it's shot and designed. In particular, again, they only use four sets. There's there's Wayne Manor, maybe not four, but there's Wayne Manor. There's the bat, <laughs> the same room in Wayne Manor that we keep seeing in every scene. The same little section of the Bat Cave we see in every scene. That town, that town square. At Max nauseum. Shrek, yeah, at, at nauseum. Max Shrek's office. And the penguins lair. That's that's five. That's five locations that we use in this entire movie. Yeah. Maybe some other little tiny set pieces here, but those are the five main places we go in this entire movie. And we spend almost the entire like like two thirds of the movie in that town square. And the town square looks like trash. I mean, when he go when 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 Penguin goes to the cemetery to visit his parents' gravestone, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like first of all, you crammed the entire city cemetery into an alleyway. That's all the people that are ever going to die. Oh, okay, cool. And it looks so fake. It looks so incredibly fake. And <laughs> and again, this is 92. We've had Star Wars. We've had the first Batman movie. The 66 Batman movie felt more real and authentic and large. And I mean, it's just, it, I was, it was honest to God, kind of baffling how yeah. bad the sets looked in this movie. Yeah, it, it, especially because... I don't know. Like, it's just, it is yeah. weird how, how much worse this movie looks than the first one. Cause yeah, usually and, it's the opposite. And yeah. Oh yeah. No, usually you step it up a bit. Like it just, they didn't do any of the dressing down they did with the first movie. Everything feels too clean. Like, yeah. like Gotham in 89 felt dirty and dingy and it was dressed in a certain way that it, it always felt moist. Yeah. Um, this one, it, it just, it feels like a set that they built and just shot and didn't do any lighting treatments, <laughs> didn't do any weather treatments, didn't do anything. just shot it as is, uh, it, it's, it's bizarre to me. It's truly bizarre. Like I remember just watching it and thinking to myself, how does this look so cheap? How? I, I don't get it. The biggest it was the Batman 89 was one of the biggest movies ever made at the time. It was a huge success. You have no reason. And again, I think it all just comes down to they gave Tim Burton full creative control. Tim yeah. Burton took full creative control and went full Tim Burton on this thing. But even even some of the Tim Burton magic is just missing from this movie. Well, and this is where, like, I don't know. Look, I've seen look, my favorite Tim Burton movie is Big Fish. That's such a good movie. That's such a good movie. And it's the least Burton of all of his things. So the man can do yeah. stuff that isn't ridiculously dark. So it, it, it is just like so odd 
you know, and again, like I'm just going to go to now, you know, the penguin's supposed to be a gangster. I don't yeah, know not a gangster in this movie. why this again, this goes to that whole weird thing of like, why was this the decision for this character? Yeah, you had a, you had a million different versions of Penguin you wanted to do for this movie. Why is this the one you landed on? Yeah, and it just kind of like tilts the entire film because, like, I I I mean, look, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to get into like. I really would love to know what Michael Keaton thinks of this movie. <laughs> I know, I really would, and I'm, I'm curious again. You know, as we're we haven't seen the Flash yet. Uh, I'm curious how much of Michael Keaton's Batman is going to be considered canon in the Flash because we know obviously it's not going to include Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. Um, Do we? I'm cur- <laughs> I I would be shocked. Yeah. Uh, honest to God, if there's if there's if they if they've got the free will to ignore anything, it's going to be those two. I know you love Batman Forever. But- no, no, no. I just mean with all bets are off with that weird. I just, I, I just mean specifically Michael Keaton's Batman. Yes. Um, I wonder if it's also going to disregard Batman Returns and only acknowledge the first Batman. I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting to see. I mean, he's got uh, the car. Maybe he, he rebuilt have, it. It could be. Well, because we see we, we see him repairing it even after it yeah, true. Go, goes into missile mode, which I'm not going to lie. It's super cool. <laughs> I always I, I wanted that because they had the toy that came out when I was because this movie came out when I was in, you know, I was yeah. I was three, four years old. And this came out. So. Um, I wanted the Batmobile that split and turned into the missile because I was a kid. And of course I did. My mom wouldn't let me have it. This, my mom let me watch the 89 Batman ad nauseum. This one, she did not let me watch because she went and saw it first and was like, yeah, my three-year-old doesn't need to watch this movie. Yeah. Um, Cause this movie caught a lot of crap from parents because they wanted yeah. to put happy meal toys for this movie at McDonald's. And they were like, this movie should not be watched by children. I mean, Penguin bites a dude's nose off. Yeah. Uh, Peng- Penguin in general alone makes this movie kind of hard for kids. I mean, all the sexual stuff and the gross violent stuff. And I'm going to go drown babies in toxic waste. Like it's it's this is not a kid's movie. Like, no, like by any stretch of the imagination, which um, doesn't have to be. But for being a Tim Burton movie, being the second one out the gate. Woo, what a choice. And the, the, to hear that their original scripts were darker than this one, good God. <laughs> well, that's the thing. This is where I get into like, like it's starting to be that the Joker, like all, ever since like the mid seventies, late seventies to eighties, like Joker is the one that's psychotically killing people. Yeah. I don't remember if that's quite the case with every, every other, every other villain. Not you know, really, it's but not, they're, it's not everyone's MO. Well, and this, yeah. everyone's MO. but this is where I start pushing it back against like, there's zero reason for this movie to be this dark. Yeah. Because like, look, he's called the dark Knight because he's the dark one. Yeah. He's the dark one. <laughs> not everybody else. Like they're all criminals and it's bad, yeah. but yeah, like, Having the penguin revenge children because of the weird thing that I just like, like, and then I, I, yeah, it's a a lot. It's a lot. Um, 
but this a lot of this goes into the writing which is at no point like like penguin has too many things going on because he wants to find out who his parents are but he wants to run for mayor but he wants to kill all these kids and i'm like pick one just pick one like have him want to find out who his parents are and then that makes him want to i i don't know like like there's a there's a version of this where where penguin and catwoman are involved they both have too much going because Catwoman's motivation changes like four times. It's, <laughs> it starts off with her, you know, saving the girl from the mugger. And, and it's like, oh, so she's going to be the kind of like the, 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 the femme fatale uh, 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 opposite to Batman. Okay. All right, cool. And she goes and rob and robs the store. And I'm like, all right, but why, why is she robbing the store? Yeah. And then it, and then it, she wants to, uh, 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 pair up with penguin to, t- to kill batman and i'm like why what has he done he hasn't done anything <laughs> i mean my god the beginning of this movie is you fangirling over batman um so you would think that in this point you'd be trying to get in batman's good and then you abandon ship on penguin and are like well now my goal is to kill max shrek and i'm like pick a motivation yeah my god and it all a lot of this really can boil down to it felt like they honestly i think they gave the villain so much to do because i really don't think they knew what to do with batman in this movie because he's missing in a lot of the there is a 30 minute period of this movie where we don't see bruce wayne or batman yeah there's a i i i checked the time there is an entire 30 minute stretch of this movie where we don't see michael keaton in any shape or form and where he's not even mentioned it's well, and it's weird. Well, and this is where for me, what was cut out of this movie? Like, is yeah. there things that explain a lot of this? Because you're right. Like he fights her. So then she decides to go after him because he tried to save her. And then she stabbed him for his effort, you know, it's, because they yeah. fight and then she falls, he saves her. Then she stabs him. Then he hits her. And let's get into the part that like, Look, if you're martial arts fighting a girl, totally cool for you to hit her. That's just the breaks. At that, at that point, she had blown up a store. Yeah, but Give- <laughs> to backhand her off a building. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just one of those moments of like, you okay. saved her the first time you did it. But yeah. the next time you're like, all right, well, he, this is how you are. And then I guess he throws napalm at her. <laughs> Because the first thing I thought was he pulls it and he throws it at her, but you don't see what he throws at her. She just like, oh my god, and then falls and he saves her. And I was like, what did he throw at her? Was it was it water? Are we doing the whole cats hate water thing? And Acid. then she says, and then she says to, to 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 penguin later, he throws napalm on my arm, and I'm like, that's what that was. Wait a minute, he had a container of napalm to just throw at somebody okay okay batman we need to have a talk dude <laughs> you shouldn't be throwing napalm at people but yeah. i will also say this batman straight up kills a dude in this movie he kills a lot of people in this movie like literally so i will say there is a fight sequence in this movie that is awesome it's when the the, the circus gang is wreaking havoc on the one block of the city we only see in this movie and he goes down and he is fighting these dudes and it is an awesome fight sequence he is being batman as hell in this sequence one of the dudes runs up 
with a bomb. He takes the bomb, sticks the bomb down another dude's pants and throws him into us into the sewer. And then it explodes. And I'm like, Batman just killed that guy. Yeah. Batman just strapped a bomb to somebody and threw him in a sewer and blew them up. That's why when people talk about the whole, you know, Snyderverse Batman killing people, I'm like he's killed people like, in Batman every killed a lot of people. Single movie. Batman killed Joker in the 89 movie. You can tell me all you want. He did. He killed. He 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 strapped a gargoyle to Joker's leg and let him fall off a tower. Batman uh, killed Joker in 89. He, he minimum killed 20 people in that movie. Minimum. Yeah. yeah. Batman killed B- Batman killed Two-Face and Batman Forever. Kills Batman and Batman Forever. He kills several people in this one. Yeah. Um, the only one where I think Batman truly does not kill a single person is Batman and Robin. But well, I take that back. He he killed the Batman franchise in Batman. There you go. Robin. Yeah. <laughs> there but, we go. Yeah. Um. It's, it's just it's weird. There's this is a lot of there's so many decisions made with the script and story in this movie where I'm like really. All the stuff you guys by from all the pre-production notes, all the billion revisions of this script you guys went through, this is the one you landed on. Yeah, really. Oh, okay, all right. I will say this: still the best Batmobile. <laughs> still the best Batmobile. It it, it yeah, it's still cool. Still like I, I can't I can't knock that. Like I don't I like the change in the suit. What change in the suit are you talking about? Because I didn't notice it. It becomes more robotic and angular in the chest. If you look at the two side oh. by side, his suit becomes okay. more kind of like angular and robotic, which See, I guess I guess I didn't notice it that much because he's barely in the goddamn <laughs> movie. So it's hard. And when we do see him, it's it's usually close ups like you don't see him. Yeah, it, I don't know. The, the usage, it, it, the usage of Batman in this Batman movie is odd. And this is where, like, I, you know, reading too into it, mm. I think he was just, he didn't want to do it. I don't think Could Michael be. Keaton wanted to do it and that I, he I priced he himself out of the job and they took it anyway. And he's like, well, crap, but don't let me do the Batman stuff very often. He probably just didn't like the script, honestly. Well, I don't think. I don't know. It's hard suit. to say. Look, I've done a lot of cosplay. Okay. Okay. The closest to what he was wearing, I wore one of the, what's called the RD Replicas Batman suit, which is basically yeah. a motorcycle leather outfit that is motorcycle safe with a cowl and a cape. And granted, I was out in the Houston heat, but even inside, that sucked. I can't imagine being stuck in a rubber version of that for 10 hours yeah. a day. Okay, so I found I found I found you're, you're absolutely right. I found a part um, looking through like the IMDb about Keaton and all that. So uh, the original the original um, uh, uh, script had Batman like with a lot of very bitter, cynical dialogue, and Keaton's big thing was like I don't think he, he Keaton's take on it was when Batman's in costume, I don't think he should be doing a whole lot of talking. Yeah, because his his whole thing is to be dark and mysterious, and Burton wanted. Burton wanted Batman to be a wounded soul type character. Um, and because they had this big disagreement on that and because it's Michael Keaton and you're not about to recast Michael Keaton, um, they changed the script to be more focused on the villains. I think it's a dumb choice. Yeah, I mean, yeah that's the I wrong choice. That's, that's what wrong. happens when you give Tim Burton creative control 
and someone yeah. doesn't walk in and go like, no, change the script and give us Batman because that's the name of the movie. Yeah, like like when when your Batman says, "Hey, I'm not happy with how Batman is written," you don't you don't then write Batman out of his own movie. Yeah, you say, okay, well if we're well if, well if we can't if we can't come to a consensus on how this on this Batman, we need to take another run at the script. You don't just say, all right, well then we'll barely use Batman. The movie's called Batman Returns. Inexplicably, so, inex- <laughs> yeah. Which is a weird title because by all by all stretch of the imagination, he never left. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, look, I I I, I, I don't want to seem like I'm beating this movie up too much, but it's just there's a lot of things about it that just really rub me the wrong way, especially coming off of a movie like '89's Batman, which I love as much as I do, which was as big a hit as it was. The decisions to make on Batman Returns, like come, like Tim, you're better than that, man. This That's is, the thing that really bums me out is Tim Burton's better than this. Uh, at the time, I don't think he was. And I don't mean it like derogatory per se, but I think the problem is this. You can tell, in my opinion, in the first movie, he's fighting not to let it be a comic book movie. Right. They give him creative control and he does everything in his power to make sure it's not a comic book movie. Yeah. And I think that's what happens here is, you know, when you have zero characters behaving the way they do in the comics, mm-hmm. you know, and my, my thing is this, like, look, I'm not saying verbatim, you know, as much as I don't like the man, I think uh, somebody who we both used to follow and dis- are discussed by now used to say this thing. You want the core aspects of the character to be translated into the movie out of the comic. Mm-hmm. They don't exactly have to look exactly the same. They don't have to be the same, but like, there's you should be able to th- recognize the character by their actions. Yes. Batman is an awesome fighter. Yeah. Very intelligent. Uses a lot of cool gadgets. Doesn't kill people. Yeah. Like those are core elements of Batman. We And we missed some of those in this movie. Nearly all of them, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool gadgets. The remote control battering school. Sure. <laughs> I, I, I will die on that hill. I will okay. die on the hill. The remote control battering school. Um, is it? Is it? Is it? Is, is the is the shooting of that scene stupid absolutely but the gadget itself is cool um also i will say this in the in the opening fight sequence when the when the clown dude has michelle pfeiffer and batman shoots the grappling hook hits the wall and then pulls the chunk of the wall hits him with bat- that's the most one of the most batman things i've ever seen in my life i'm like that is that is straight out of a comic book yeah. that is that is that is one of the most batman things i've ever seen love it do that again also i will say this in that sequence the way they shoot Michael Keaton in these movies where the lighting hides his face, but his eyes just pop. Yep. I don't know why I cannot get enough of that. I love that. Every time they do that, That's do that. A cool more. Thing. That's a That's cool a great, thing. It's a great look. That's straight out of the 89 movie. That is straight yeah. out of the 89 movie. So I think, yeah, I think what this is the difference between somebody who gets the comic and somebody who doesn't, somebody who's a fan of the comic and somebody who's doesn't. And this is the comparison I'll make. There's two big comic book movies that the first one, they try to keep it as comic book as possible. And the second one, they let the director go nuts. Mm-hmm. Tim Burton, Batman Returns, the director goes nuts, but because he's not a big fan of the comic, does the most ridiculous things ever. Mm-hmm. Hellboy 2, directed oh, by yeah. Guillermo del Toro. This is somebody who loves the character in the comic and he extends that story and it's still the same thing, though not based on any of the comics. Hellboy, Hellboy the Golden Army is so good. Yeah. Hellboy and, the Golden Army is. is that but is it's totally movie. him. 
it is it is it is a sh- it is a crime against humanity they never got a third movie no that, it's yeah it is. but it was um but i think that was the thing is that that's the difference between these two directors yeah del toro loves hellboy loves mike magnolia loves ron perlman loves comics loves the character loves fantasy wants to lean into that and do this yeah tim burton not so much you know, we, we talk about understanding the assignment. Guillermo del Toro understood the assignment. Yeah. Tim Burton did not. Tim Burton yeah. did not understand the assignment. And I, I will push back on the whole Tim Burton might not have known what he was doing. Because at this point, he has done Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Beetlejuice, Batman, and Edward Scissorhands. He knows better. He knows better. He, he straight up, he, he's he's better than this movie. Edward Scissorhands, I think, is, is the biggest uh, indicator of that. That he, as a director, he knows better. And, and it's, it's just disappointing. It's, yeah. it's really disappointing. I I avoided that movie for decades. What? And then my wife showed um, our teenager the movie. <laughs> I couldn't last five minutes. <laughs> oh, get out. Get out. Edward, <laughs> Edward Scissorhands rules. Um, that movie's awesome. Okay. Like, speaking of Pee-wee's big adventure, I love that Pee-wee plays uh, Cobblepot's dad. And I know it's been talked about in like every podcast known to mankind. But the fact that but but even watching it last night when Paul Rubens pops up as Penguin's dad, yeah. I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah. The the sad thing that the fact that my second favorite Tim Burton movie is probably Pee-wee's Big Adventure just tells you what I think of the man. Great movie. <laughs> I love Pee-wee's that. Adventure is awesome. Are you kidding me? I, I love Tim Burton. I really do. I love Tim Burton. And it's just, it's just, this is, and I love his Batman in the first one. It's just, this is just such a bummer. But also, this is, this is one of the, when people talk about like giving a director full creative control of a movie, I'm not against the idea, but this is always one of the examples I go to of like, it doesn't always work when you give a director full, full control. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes you get a, a, a Hellboy 2 Golden Army. Sometimes you get Batman Returns. Like, yeah. It doesn't always, it's not always a bad idea. And I understand, especially nowadays, I under, we, we hear a lot more about like studio interference when we talk about like Josh Trank's Fantastic Four, um, you know, I, or what happened with, with Justice League and BVS. Like we, we hear these stories all the time. So in, in a world where the Snyder Cut exists, I understand the desire to have a director's full vision scene. But you have to be careful, otherwise you wind up with Batman Returns, which is yes, just it's 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 just Tim Burton throwing darts at an idea board and just taking the first the first idea that he come that he that he lands on. It's it's yeah. odd choices. Yeah. So I will say this. Ultimately, we want to know what you guys think, but I will say, I don't never I don't ever want to watch this movie again. Up until I, I like, <laughs> well, I was gonna say, I, up until I watched the podcast, or up until I watched it for the podcast three years ago, yeah, I don't think I'd watched this movie since Batman Forever came out. Like the '66 Batman movie is one I revisit about once a year. The '89 Batman is one I revisit a couple times a year. This is one that, like, there's moments in it I really enjoy. But the movie as a whole frustrates me. So like, I think I'm kind of in the same in the same boat where it's like, unless I have a specific reason to watch this movie again, I'm probably not. I, I, to end on a little bit of positivity, I will say 
the makeup work is excellent. Like the makeup work on Penguin in particular is very good. Those flippers look real. Like yeah. that was very good. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer's makeup in this is is excellent. I mean, I mean, like the makeup work is is very good. Yeah. Um, the direction of everything is wrong, but yeah. the fulfillment of that direction is excellent. Yeah. Oh yeah. The the, pro- the ideas are where the problem is. The execution of those ideas is 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 flawless, but the ideas themselves are just bad. And I, I, I in my opinion, I I it just the movie frustrates me. And it's it's a bummer coming off of one of my favorite Batman movies into easily one of my least favorite Batman movies. It's it's yeah. so frustrating, especially because now as we get into you know going through doing these movie breakdowns, we're not going to get to a Batman movie I really like for a while. Um, I know the next one is one of your favorites, if not your favorite. And then <laughs> it's my Adel- third favorite. <laughs> and then the well, and then the one well. after that is nobody's favorite. No, um, I would the, say the one, after, the one after that is quantifiably the worst Batman movie ever made. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a bit till we get back to one that we can really sit and say, like, this is the, the good, good things about uh, it's going to take us until we get to, to, to Batman Begins. But um, it is a bummer that's like, you know, 66 Batman is what it is. It's of its time, but there's a charm to it. There's a there's a love. There's a love behind it. There's there's effort made behind it. 89's Batman is is the trendsetter for generations. You know, it's what they did with 89's Batman was groundbreaking and and to this day continues to influence Batman filmmaking. This movie's just a mess. Yeah. I don't understand anybody who likes this over the first one or likes this movie oh. in general. Like I don't get it. Yeah. Like if if you if you have a weird appreciation for it, that's one thing. But like any anytime somebody puts this as like one of their top Batman movies. I scratch my head. I'm like, really? I don't know. I, I, mm. Yeah. Don't, doesn't choice. make any sense to me. Unless you just have a thing for Michelle Pfeiffer. And which, I totally which, understand that. Which I totally respect. I a thousand percent respect. Um, and, and I, I love Michelle Pfeiffer, I, you know, and, and she's very good. Uh, now that, you know, being back in like the Ant-Man movies, she's, she's very good in quantum mania. Um, she does a very good job in that movie. So, uh, I know people have mixed thoughts on that movie in general, but she's very good in it in, in the part that she plays. Anyway, so Batman Returns, it's 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 a hot mess. There's stuff about it that's really good. There's there's execution things that are done very well, but from a from a con- from a conceptual standpoint, it's it's a it's a it's a hot mess. It's all over the place, but you can't deny that it it's left its mark on it because people still to this day talk about Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman. They talk about the chemistry between her and Michael Keaton. Um, and as we, as you know, in a few hours from now that we're recording this, I'm going to go see the flash. Um, Matt's seeing it tomorrow. And the, the, the Michael Keaton's legacy of Batman, like keep like, like that's thing is like as much as I get as I kind of dunked on this movie, Michael Keaton's it didn't it didn't really it didn't do anything to hurt Michael Keaton's legacy as Batman. Yeah, he's good in the movie. Like he's good. And like people were still clamoring for when people found out he was gonna be in the flash, people freaked. Yeah. Because it's Michael Keaton. Yeah. And and we love Michael Keaton. And so, like, as as all over the place this movie is, it didn't do anything to tarnish his reputation. This this movie didn't hurt anyone's career. Like it's well, not, it's not career hurting, but think, it's, 
Yeah, because I think the other thing, too, is like this is one of those movies at the time. Cool. And then as time has gone by, the more you go back to it, the more you're like, oh, oh." because because the next movie Tim Burton does have this is Ed Wood and Ed Wood rules like Ed Wood's a very good movie. He goes he also goes on to do Mars Attacks. Mars Attacks is an acid trip. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, but. Yeah, this didn't hurt anyone's career by any stretch of the imagination. It, this movie just kind of—it's it, it, if this movie is nothing if not just forgettable. Yeah, it's a forgettable movie. It's it is it is best left in nostalgia. Yeah, and if you love it, I'm glad you do. I never particularly cared for it. I, I yeah, it, it's it is what it is. But um, you know, people are stoked to see him in the Flash, so we'll see how that goes. Yes, we will. Uh, so, but we always want to hear what you guys think. So make sure you uh, let us know. How do you feel about Batman Returns? And where does it rank in your Parthenon of of Batman movies? And, uh, you know, at, at the time that this episode is released, The Flash has been in theaters for a couple of weeks. So let us know what you thought of, of uh, Keaton's return as Batman in The Flash as well. Uh, you can do that by heading over to Twitter. Hit us up on Twitter at We Are the Batman. You can find me on Twitter at Mr. Mike Shea. You can find me at Mr. J Ninja. That is going to do it for this week's episode of We Are the Batman and this month's Batman Breakdown. We will see you again next week with another new episode. Same bat time, same bat podcast channel. Bye bye.